Hey, Haley. Yeah. You know what I do when I need a mental break from some really tough true crime stories that we've talked about and researched? What? I'm really into playing this mobile game right now called Best Fiends. It's this really great casual puzzle game and it engages your brain as you play. So not only are you having a little bit of fun and not being super bored, but you're also doing something for yourself. You feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy. I've only been playing for about a week and I'm over 100 levels deep and I can't stop, won't stop. I can't get enough. Yeah, same. It's really great because I travel a lot on buses and planes and subways and you don't need internet access to play. So it works perfectly for me. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Okay, bye. Bye. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I don't know yeah. why I stopped for a minute because I hadn't realized <laughs> that we started. So Yo, we I, started. I was like, oh, she's re- she's rehearsing. No, I don't have to <laughs> rehearse not. the welcome. She's not. Yeah, she's not rehearsing the welcome. The welcome is not what needs to be rehearsed. No, we don't rehearse any of this. It's all set. Maybe off we the- should. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So we got a weird crime this week. I love weird crimes. It's it's not not bad. It's still bad. It's, it's still it's a not, crime. Not bad, she says. Yeah. It's not like, uh-huh, this is a lighthearted thing. A terrible thing happened. But okay. it's more lighthearted than last week's episode, which was just depression after depression after depression. Hey, that's my depression, thank you very much. That's okay. You need you need, you need to, some depression every so often. You need some depression. You need and some you need depression. To, you need to balance it with a story like this. Okay. So then let's get is, balanced. Yes. Line up those chakras. <laughs> this is the story of the strip search scam. Oh so, no! Strap in because it's wild. Elliot, can we get yakety sacks to play under this entire thing? Like I said, it's still horrible what happened. Yes, and but at the same we'll time, get into oh, it. this I already know this is going to be stupid. I already it's know just, this is going to be so stupid. It's ridiculous what happened. So, starting from the beginning. So, on April 9th, 2004, a call was made to a McDonald's restaurant in Mount Washington, Kentucky. According to the assistant manager, Donna Summers, the caller identified himself as a policeman named Officer Scott. Wait, the Donna Summers? No, this is a Donald... Donald. Donna Donald. Summers, who. Wait. No, Donna. It is Donna. Yeah, Donna Summers, the assistant manager of the Mount Washington, Kentucky McDonald's. Okay. I'm, right. ju- I'm just I'm just saying, if it, if it is the Donna Summers, then we've got something else that we need to just discuss there. How did Donna no. Summers end up <laughs> in a McDonald's? Origin. She's story. got some hot stuff, but does it have to be their hot cakes? We don't know. No. Well, the caller, Officer Scott, uh, told Summers that there was a thief in the store, that someone had stolen a customer's purse, and then gave a vague description of a slender, young, white woman with blonde hair. 
And Summers believed that the description matched a woman who was currently working at the restaurant, 18-year-old Louise Ogborn. Ogborn was a hardworking team player and would often take on extra shifts to help out because her mother, who had some health problems, had recently lost her job. So she was hustling. She was doing everything she could to make ends meet. Yeah. And she had been working at the McDonald's for four months and never received any type of warning or um, like any. there was no problems with her. She was a good employee. So. Yeah. Ogborn was called into Summer's office and was told that the officer on the phone uh, had their store manager on the other line and that he had described her and said that she was accused of stealing the purse. So, oh, yeah. So Ogborn said in the interview with 2020, quote, I was like, Donna, I have never done anything wrong. I can never steal. I can never do anything like that. I just don't have it in me. End quote. Mm -hmm. Well, Summer said, quote, well, they said it was a little girl that looked like you in a McDonald's uniform, so it had to be you, end quote. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A small white woman with blonde hair. That can describe nobody else. <laughs> Definitely can't describe me. Yeah. So, the quote-unquote police officer demanded that Ogborn be searched at the restaurant because no officers were available at the moment to handle something so minor. Right. Ogborn was brought into the office and ordered to remove her clothes, which Summers then placed in a bag and took to her car. She also took her keys and phone. Um, what? Yeah. She, she took all of her stuff. Yeah. Um, Ogborn then put on an apron to partially cover herself. She was naked. Like, yes. Underwear, undergarments, yeah. everything taken. Um, Kim Dockery, who was also another assistant manager working at the time, she was present, and she believed she was there to witness the search. After okay. an hour, Dockery left, and Summers told the caller that she needed to be working at the restaurant's counter because it was a busy Friday night. If you've right. ever been like to a McDonald's on a Friday night, it gets fucking crazy. Yeah. So the caller then told Summers to bring in someone that she trusted to assist with the investigation. Summers first asked 27-year-old Jason Bradley, one of the restaurant's cooks, to watch Ogborn. Ogborn said, quote, uh, he takes the phone and they're telling him to have me do certain things and drop the apron. He wouldn't have any part of it, end quote. Right. What a good Although, guy. Yes, good guy. 27 years old. He probably could have taken advantage of the situation and he yep. didn't. Yep. Um, although Bradley refused, he did not attempt to call the police at this point. Hmm. Summers then called her fiancé, 43-year-old Walter Nix Jr. Nix was a father of two and an exterminator by trade. He attended church regularly and had coached youth baseball teams in Mount Washington. His best friend, Terry Grigsby, said later in a des uh, disposition, quote, he was a great guy, super guy, a great community guy. He was a great role model for the kids. I don't think he even ever had a speeding ticket, end quote. Aww. Nix arrived in no more than 15 minutes after Summers had called him to the restaurant. After being told that a police officer was on the phone, Nix can be seen obeying all of the caller's instructions for the next two hours. There was, like, surveillance cameras in the office. Yeah. So the cameras caught this entire ordeal. Yeah. So Nix removed the apron that Ogborn was wearing and ordered her to dance and perform jumping jacks while she was naked to quote-unquote, shake anything loose that she might be hiding. Oh, my God. Just to remind you, she was said to have stolen a purse. Yep. This isn't Orange is the New Black, and also somebody needs to go back to, like, middle school anatomy. You made her take off all her clothes, and you said she stole a purse? 
like why would you check her car or like i don't know if they have like lockers in like some of those uh offices and stuff or wherever this this was in 2004 yeah i mean it's possible yeah so i this is already insane um so this is way out of hand it it gets worse believe me so great he also ordered her to sit on his lap and kiss him the caller said that that would allow Nix to smell anything that might be on her breath. Like, she might be, like, drunk or whatever. Which, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, like... And also, that's... sit on his lap? Yeah, right? What does and that have naked. to do with it? Can he smell better if she's on his lap, then? Yeah, right? So, Ogburn said that when she failed to address him as sir, the caller told Nix to hit her violently on the buttocks over and over again. At one point in the security video, Ogborn was spanked for almost 10 full minutes, and there were oh red welts that you could see on her body. Yeah, so this is aggressive. Yeah. Nix then ordered her to insert her fingers into her vagina and expose it to him as part of the search. No fucking way. Yeah. The caller also spoke to Ogborn and demanded that she do as she was told or face even worse punishment. Remember, remember she's like 18 years old. So yeah. afraid of authority, afraid of getting fired. Her mom is sick and out of work. Like she yeah. has to do this job. Like it's a lot of problems with authority, which we will get to. So um, recalling the incident later, Ogborn said, quote, I was scared for my life. End quote. Right. After she had been in the office for a for two and a half hours. Oh, my God. She was ordered to perform oral sex on Nick's. What? Summer? Yeah. All right. And what's the reasoning behind that? Oh, she might have the purse in her throat? Yeah, right? So Summers returned to the office periodically. Remember, this is her fiance that's doing all this. Yeah. Um, and But during these times that she would come back into the office, Ogborn was instructed by the caller to cover herself with the apron. Nix became oh. uneasy about what was happening. Um, and then the caller permitted now him to leave. Now he becomes uneasy. Yeah. After the oral sex, whatever. Yes. So the caller then permitted him to leave on the condition that Summers had to find somebody else to replace him. After Nick's left, he called a friend and told him, quote, I have done something terribly bad, end quote. Oh, boy. So with Nick's having left and the restaurant being short on staff due to the dinnertime rush, Summers needed somebody to take Nick's place in the office. So she spotted Thomas Sims the restaurant's 58-year-old maintenance man, who had stopped into the restaurant for dessert. He wasn't working that day. She told Sims to go into the office and watch Ogborn. Sims, however, refused to go along with the caller's demands, and at this point, Summers became suspicious and decided to call the higher-level manager, Lisa Siddons, who the caller on the fake policeman on the phone said earlier that um, he was also speaking to on the other line. So she thought that uh, Lisa Siddons was in on all of this information that she knew what was going on. So speaking to Siddons, Summer discovered that she had been sleeping and not spoken to any police officers. Oh and that's God. when she realized that the call was a fraud. That's such. Ah. Yeah. So the caller then abruptly ended the call and an employee dialed star six, nine before another call could ring. So they got the caller's phone number. Oh, nice. That was yeah. smart. And that's, quick quick thinking because yeah. in those restaurants the phone is ringing like constantly Off constantly the hook yeah so they were able to get the phone number which is great so summers was now hysterical and began apologizing ogborn yeah, was shivering awful 
Yeah, right? Like, like obviously it feels bad for her, too. But yes, like, yeah, she didn't know any better. Yeah. But Ogborn was shivering and wrapped in a blanket and she was released from the office after three and a half hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. The police were called to the restaurant. They arrested Nix on charges of sexual assault and began the investigation to find the perpetrator of the scam call. And like I said before, the entire incident was recorded on surveillance camera footage in the office. Yeah. Summers watched the tape later that night and according to her attorney, broke off her engagement with Nix. Wow. Good for her, man. Yeah. Like that so, sucks, obviously, but also to have that kind of strength. Yeah. Well, after she she saw the whole thing of everything yeah. he did to her. So Yeah, but still, I mean, I think that there are some women out there and and as I say this, I'm obviously not talking about you, but there are some women who they get engaged and they're like, well, that's it. Like, I can't get out now. Yeah. And there are some people that will make excuses. Yeah. Um, for whoever they're with up and down, even if there's piles of evidence in front of them. But right. That's a whole like that's Michael a whole does with me. Thing. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that case is insanity. But getting into the investigation and all of that is even crazier so after doing just a simple google search whatever mount washington police quickly realized that this was only the latest in a strong in a long series of similar incidents that extended over a period of about 10 years oh my god yeah but none of those incidents had continued as long or with as many people involved as the one at the mount washington mcdonald's right Although their initial suspicion was that the call had originated from a payphone near the McDonald's restaurant, which is like a place where the perpetrator could see both the police station and the restaurant. Mm. Um, but the police later determined that the call originated from a supermarket payphone in Panama City, Florida. Now, this, what? Yeah, this McDonald's is in Kentucky. Yeah. The call is coming from Florida. So what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that's kind of my question, Haley. Well, we'll Please get to answer. It. So... Having learned that the call was made with an AT&T phone card that was the largest uh, retailer of these cards was Walmart. They, they contacted the police in Panama City. The Panama okay. City police informed the Mount Washington police that Detective Flattery uh, in Massachusetts was already conducting an investigation. Several similar scam calls had been placed in the Boston area restaurants and Flattery uh, had already pulled surveillance camera footage from a Walmart in Panama City. Mm -hmm. Following Flattery's lead, the Mount Washington police used the serial number of the phone card to find out that it, it had been purchased from a different Walmart than the one sold uh, than the one that sold the card used for the Massachusetts restaurants. Right. So it okay. wasn't the same phone card that was used for both calls, but it was definitely a Walmart in that city. So, using the records of the Panama City Walmart, which showed the cash register and the time of the purchase of the phone card, Mount Washington police were able to find surveillance footage of the purchaser of the card. The Massachusetts investigation had gone cold when their surveillance video failed to show the purchaser because the cameras had been uh, pointed towards the store's parking lot and not the cash registers. So they weren't able to see who had purchased that phone card. Okay. But the Mount Washington police were. So, 
The okay. purchaser in the Panama City video was wearing a correctional officer's uniform, the kind that was used by Corrections Corporations of America, which is a private security firm. Videos okay. and still photographs from the two Walmarts were compared, and the same man was seen entering and exiting the Massachusetts Walmart at the time uh, when the phone card was purchased there. Ooh. Yeah. So they're, they're getting closer and closer. Police used these images to produce front and back composite images of the suspect. They then went to the private security firm's human resources department to find the phone card buyer was David R. Stewart. He was a married man with five children, and he was arrested. Okay. So during his questioning by police, Stewart insisted that he had never bought a phone card, but detectives found one in his home that had been used to call nine restaurants in the past year including a call to a Burger King in Idaho Falls um, on the same day when a restaurant's manager was reportedly duped by a scam call. Okay. Police, police also found in Stewart's home dozens of applications for police department jobs, hundreds of police magazines, as well as police-style uniforms, guns, and holsters. And this was thought to indicate that the suspect had fantasized about being a police officer. Oh. Yeah. So he was posing as a police officer allegedly he's posing as a police officer because he couldn't actually be a police officer so that's (laughs) not the way to do it no i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not the way to do it no not chill clinical psychologist jeff gart gardier says that the caller's actions were likely a way to feed a godlike complex by manipulating his victims emotionally, physically, and sexually. Mm-hmm. He calls it virtual voyeurism. And he goes on to say that it was no accident that the caller was targeting fast food restaurants, saying, quote, everything is by the book. This is how you serve it. This is exactly how you do it. You follow the book. You're okay. I believe he picked fast food restaurants because he knew once you get away, once you get them away from that book, once it is something outside the manual or the procedures, they would be lost, end quote. Which is really true. When yeah. If you've ever worked at a fast food restaurant, they give you, like, they want everything to be as uniform as possible. So if yes. you go to a McDonald's in New Jersey, it's the same as if you go to a McDonald's in California or Idaho or Washington State or Texas. Like, everything needs to be the same. Everyone needs to be working towards the same goal so that everything tastes the same. So they give you very specific guidelines, and if you try to move somebody away from those guidelines, their whole world is shifted out of order. Yeah. Yeah. So Stewart was extradited from Kentucky to be tried on charges of impersonating a police officer and solicitation of sodomy. If convicted, Stewart faced up to 15 years in prison. On October 31st, 2006, he was acquitted of all charges. What? Yeah. Both the defense and the prosecution attorneys stated that the lack of direct evidence may have been affected, may have affected the jury's decision, which found him not guilty. He remained a suspect in similar cases throughout the United States. Police stated later that since Stewart's arrest, the scam phone calls had stopped. So I would say, in my personal opinion, it is pretty safe to say that he was the one doing it. Yeah. I think that's a pretty safe suspicion, whatever you want to call it, theory. I don't know how they could say that there wasn't enough evidence when he, well, I mean, There's he had the phone video. cards of him buying the phone cards. Yeah. Yes. 
and he had the phone cards in his possession, but you couldn't say that he was the one that did it. It could have been like he had five kids. So, I mean, it could have been one of his kids. It could have been blah, blah, blah. Could have, could have, could have. No. But yeah, I'm going to say it was him. Right. So afterwards, after the whole ordeal, Louise Ogborn, who was the victim of the Mount Washington scam, underwent therapy and medication to address post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. She abandoned her plans to attend University of Louisville, where she had hoped to become a pre-med student. That's so sad. I know. In an interview with ABC News, she said that after her abuse, she, quote, felt dirty uh, and had difficulty making and maintaining friendships because she, quote, wouldn't allow anyone to get too close to her, end quote. Which is fucking horrible. Yeah, she made out the worst out of anybody in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Like this one incident, this three and a half hours changed the course of her entire life. Donna Summers, meanwhile, like I said, she ended her engagement with Nick soon after the incident. She was fired from McDonald's for violating corporate policies, prohibiting strip searches, and prohibiting anyone not employed by McDonald's from entering the restaurant's office. Okay, but how aware of these policies was she? We'll get to that. Okay. So she entered an Alfred plea, which I had to look up because I didn't know what that meant. Uh It's a type of guilty plea in which the person doesn't admit guilt, but they acknowledge that the evidence is sufficient enough for a conviction. So she's saying she's not guilty, but she's like, yeah, this evidence could get me in trouble. So she entered this plea to a charge of unlawful imprisonment, which would be a misdemeanor, and received one year of probation. She was not charged with any sex-related crimes because, again, she wasn't really... Besides asking Ogborn to remove her clothes for the strip search, she didn't do anything sex-related. Okay. Kim Dockery was transferred to another location. That was the other assistant manager that was there. Walter Nix pleaded guilty to sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, and unlawful imprisonment in his trial. The judge agreed to a plea deal for Nix in exchange for his testimony against David Stewart. Because he was the principal perpetrator of the beating and had engaged in the sex act, he received five years prison sentence. Three years after the incident, still undergoing therapy, Louise Ogborn sued McDonald's for $200 million for failing to protect her during her ordeal. The grounds for her suit were the following. One, that McDonald's corporate headquarters were aware of the danger of a possible hoax because they had defended themselves against lawsuits over similar incidents and uh, at its restaurants in four other states. So they had already encountered this problem in four other states and didn't really do anything to make sure that it didn't happen anywhere else. Wow. The second thing was that mcdonald's had been subjected to similar hoax at least two years before the mount washington incident and they had not taken the appropriate action as directed by their own chiefs of security and as outlined in his memo to mcdonald's upper management so again mcdonald's did not try to do anything to stop something like this right or inform anybody else that wasn't like locked into weird mcdonald's security information that this had actually ever happened So Donna Summers also sued McDonald's, asking for $50 million for failing to warn her about the previous hoaxes. Good. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like like maybe, yeah, if if you feel like it's too much to to inform every single employee, at least let the people who are in charge know. Well, yeah, you filter it down. You tell, like, 
you tell a group of important people, they spread it to the lower tier, they spread it to the lower tier, they spread it to the managers, they spread it to the assistant managers, and then they spread it to the employees. Like, uh-huh. that's how information in these situations should be dispersed. Right. But apparently, they didn't think they needed to do that. So, McDonald's based its defense on four different points. One, Summers deviated from the company's management manual which prohibits strip searches and therefore mcdonald's should not be held responsible for any action of summers outside the scope of her employment right two workers compensation law prohibited employees from suing their employer which that's kind of a big one yeah three nix who actually performed the acts was not a mcdonald's employee that's another pretty good point and four the victim did not remove herself from the situation contrary to common sense I have a problem with that one. Yeah. Because that is victim blamey? Yes, that's extremely victim blamey. Especially she was trying to not comply with certain things and she got her literally she got her ass beat, but it, yeah, like, and I like, mean I and cut she's down also that 18. Story. Yeah, exactly. I cut down that story a little bit, but there's like a 2020 interview and a couple other interviews with her where she mentions like at different points, I was begging people to stop. Like, what was she supposed to like? And she, at one point she says, they took all my clothes from me. Like they put, they took them my clothes and they brought them away. I had this tiny little apron that barely covered my body. I was supposed to just run out into the busy Friday night restaurant naked. Like, yeah. What the fuck? No, absolutely not. Yeah. So I think that one should immediately be cut off. Like, yes. yes, the fact that people blindly believe that there was a police officer on the phone and contrary to common sense, like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. But still, like, the victim did not remove herself from the situation. Bullshit. That's right. fucked up. Um, so the civil trial began September 10th, 2007 and ended October 5th, 2007. When a jury awarded Ogborn five million dollars in punitive damages and one point one million in compens- compensatory damages and expenses, Summers was awarded one million in punitive damage, uh, punitive damages, and a hundred thousand in compensatory damages. The jury decided that McDonald's and the unnamed caller were each fifty percent at fault for the abuse to which the victim was subjected. McDonald's and its attorneys were sanctioned for withholding evidence. Uh, pertinent to the outcome of the trial in november 2008 mcdonald's also was ordered to pay 2.4 million in legal fees to the plaintiff's lawyers on october 20th 2009 the kentucky court of appeals upheld the jury's verdict but reduced the punitive damages awarded to summers to four hundred thousand dollars mcdonald's then appealed the kentucky supreme court and while the petition was pending in 2010, Ogborn settled with McDonald's for $1.1 million and abandoned her claim for punitive damages. After the court's decision, McDonald's revised its manager training program to emphasize awareness of scam phone calls and protection of employees' rights. Which, right. they, they paid $1.1 million to just rewrite their manual. They could have fucking done that when the first incident happened. Exactly. But what the fuck Exactly. Ever. Well... I've I've mentioned in passing while talking about this case that there are other cases. So by the time the Mount Washington scam happened in 2004, it reported 68 stores in 32 states had been scammed and they all followed the same basic pattern. 
The caller identified himself as a police officer or other authority figure, contacted a manager or supervisor, and would solicit their help in detaining a female employee or customer who was suspected of a crime. He would provide a description of the suspect, which the manager would recognize, and he would then ask the manager to search the suspected person. Most of these calls were made to fast food restaurants, but a few were made to grocery stores. Here are a couple of those. Two calls were reported in 1992, one in Devil's Lake, North Dakota, involving the strip search of a 17-year-old, and another in Fallon, Nevada. On November 30th, 2000, a female McDonald's manager in Litchfield, Kentucky, undressed herself in the presence of a customer. The oh caller my God. Had convinced- yeah, this is wild. The caller had convinced her that the customer was... Uh, a suspected sex offender and that the manager serving as bait would enable the undercover police officers to arrest him. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? That one is wild. Yeah. (laughs) This one's really fucking sad. On May 29th, 2002, a girl celebrating her 18th birthday. This was the first hour of her first day on the job at McDonald's in Roosevelt, Idaho, uh, Iowa. She was forced to strip, jog naked, and assume a series of embarrassing poses, all at the direction of a caller on the phone, according to court and news accounts. So it was her 18th birthday. It was the first hour of her first job. Oh my and God. this is that's, what she was made to do. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, <sighs> on January 26, 2003, an Applebee's assistant manager sub rejected a waitress to a 90-minute strip search after receiving a collect call from somebody who said that they were a regional manager for employees uh, for Applebee's, despite the fact that the assistant manager had read a company memo warning about hoax calls just a month earlier. He told police that he'd forgotten about the memo. What? Yeah. So somebody, a collect call, said that they were a regional manager for Applebee's. If they're I'm a regional sorry. manager for Excuse Applebee's, they're me. not calling collect. Yes. Like, and he had oh just, my God. He had just read it a month earlier. That, that guy's a fucking idiot. But anyway. I just, in February 2003, a call was made to a McDonald's in Hinesville, Georgia. The female manager, who believed she was speaking to a police officer who was with the director of operations for the restaurant's upper management took a 19-year-old female employee into the women's bathroom and strip-searched her. She also brought in a male employee, a 55-year-old janitor, who conducted a body cavity search of the woman to, quote-unquote, uncover hidden drugs. McDonald's and Uh, GWD Management Corporation, who was the owner and operator involved in the McDonald's restaurant, were taken to court over this incident. Because, yeah, that's fucking nuts. Like... since when is a janitor like able to perform a strip search yes no i I know this is like who you are right this is a weird one this is like right and the fact that it's happened more than once at least 68 times like so just just need one more just need one more yeah then you got yahtzee I got a couple more. Here we go. Oh, man. On June 3rd, 2003, according to a city police spokesman in Juneau, Alaska, a caller to a Taco Bell there said that he was working with the company to investigate drug abuse at the store, and the manager picked out a 14-year-old customer and then strip-searched her and forced her to perform lewd acts. 14. A customer. 
I'm sorry. I've been to many Taco Bells. I'm not taking off my fucking clothes at a Taco Bell. No. Do you know how high you'd have to be to do that? No, I'm, I wouldn't do it regardless. I know, but I'm saying like you the can offer only... me all the cheesy gordita crunches in the world <laughs> and I'm not doing it. Taco Bell, please sponsor us. I know what Haley's saying, oh, but if you sponsor us, we may we may be able to talk. Whoa, <laughs> let's not even play that game. <laughs> We're going to get a phone call now. We're going to get a collect call. Hello, this is Taco Bell. This Taco Bell, what can we do for you? <laughs> Um, in July 2003, a Winn-Dixie grocery store manager in Panama City, Florida, received a call instructing him to bring a female cashier who matched the description provided by the caller into the office where she was to be strip searched. The cashier was forced to undress and pose in various positions as part of the search. The incident ended when another manager entered the office to retrieve a set of keys. In March 2004. I... Okay. This is another Taco Bell. In March 2004, a female customer at a Taco Bell in Fountain Hills, Arizona, was strip searched by a manager who had received a call from a man claiming to be a police officer. Well. Yeah. In May 2004, in Joplin, Missouri, a police report states that the caller persuaded a 16-year-old girl who was managing a Sonic restaurant to strip search and perform oral sex on the 21-year-old male cook and then got the cook to strip search the manager. What? Yeah. That's... He got this. He got them both to do this to each other. I, I, and not yeah. once did they think, hmm. Well, here we go. Here, I'm going to talk about perceived authority for a second. Okay. So psychological experts say it is human nature to obey orders, no matter how evil they may seem, as was illustrated in one of the most famous and frightening human experiments of the 20th century. Seeking to understand why so many German followed orders during the Holocaust, Dr. Stanley Milgram, a Yale University psychologist, took out a classified ad in 1960 and 1961, inviting residents of New Haven, Connecticut, to take part in what they thought was, or what they were told, was a study of relationship between punishment and learning. A man in a white lab coat introduced the participants to a student and told them to shock the student each time he made a mistake, increasing the voltage with each error. In reality, the machine was a prop and the student was an actor who was not shocked. Oh, God. Yet, nearly two-thirds of Milgram's subjects gave what they believed were paralyzing jolts to a pitifully protesting victim simply because an authority figure, the man in the white coat, had commanded them to do so. Mm -hmm. Milgram wrote of his results, quote, With numbing regularity, good people were seen to knuckle under the demands of authority and perform actions which were callous and severe, end quote. To put his, it mildly. Yeah. His experiments were later replicated in nine other countries. Oh, my God. Yeah. Milgram died in 1984, but his biographer and protege, Dr. Thomas Blass, said in an interview that the behavior of the people duped in the strip search hoaxes would not have surprised him. Quote, once you accept another person's authority, you become a different person. Yeah. You're concerned with how well you follow your orders rather than whether it is right or wrong. End quote. So the caller was unusually persuasive, according to the workers um, across the country who had talked with him, and he had mastered the police officer's calm and authoritative demeanor. He sprinkled law enforcement jargon into every conversation. He oh had done God. his homework. Like, he That's knew, some Elwood shit. Yeah, he knew how to do this. So he researched the names of regional managers and local police officers in advance and mentioned them by name to bolster his credibility. 
Oh, my God. He called some restaurants in advance, somehow getting the names and descriptions of victims so that he could accurately describe them later. Summer said Officer Scott in Mount Washington knew the color of Ogborn's hair, as well as her height and weight, about 90 pounds. Uh, he then described the tie she was wearing. Like, he... What? He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, but... And remember, like, he wasn't dude. even in the state. Yeah. And, so it's and, fucking crazy. But that's another that's, good that's reason why you would call up. fast food restaurants. Yeah. Is because they're all wearing uniforms. Yeah. So, Stanford University psychologist and our old friend, Philip Zimbardo, who conducted hey. the renowned prison experiment. Yeah. The Stanford prison experiment. He was the one that did that. So, um, he said that the caller was, quote, very skilled in human psychology. He may even have read about Milgram, end quote. Oh, Zimbardo, wow. who was a consultant on one of the restaurant chains targeted by the caller, described him in an interview as a, quote, skilled confidence man, end quote. The lawyer for Mathis, the Hardy's manager, um, which was the victim of another crime, told the Rapid City Journal that his client was um, victim of, quote, a freak who plays God, end quote. So now we're getting into the pop culture side. Ooh, the I'm Mount Washington. This is specifically about the Mount Washington scam. Like okay. this, like we've talked about all the other scams that have happened, but the pop culture side is spe specifically about this one story. So there was a 2007 short film called Plain View, which played the festival circuit in 2007 and 2008. It's about 24 minutes long, and it has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. It won Best Short Film at the Bluegrass Independent Film Festival in 2007, the Indie Gathering International Film Festival in 2008, and the Magnolia Independent Film Festival in 2008. It also won Best Pro-Am Short at Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival in 2008. Del Harvey of Film Monthly said in his review, quote, In the end, Plainview is not a film that will overwhelm with high drama, tension, anxiety, or big special effects. But it isn't meant to be that kind of film either. It, it's an extremely well-made little short with strong characters thrown into a small real-life turmoil due to one individual's naivete, and it makes for it makes it all that more enjoyable. End quote. I don't know where you can watch it. I tried to look up where you can watch it, and I could not find it. Then, episode seventeen of season nine of our favorite show, Law and Order: Special Victims Unit. Um, it premiered on April 9th, 2008. The episode is titled Authority, and it featured R.I.P. Robin Williams as the caller. Uh, miss yes. him. Love him. The character played by Williams identified himself as Detective Milgram, which is oh, a reference wow. to the infamous Mil Milgram experiment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that episode, not, not the show, not Law and Order SVU. That episode has a 9.1 out of 10 on IMDb with over 1,000 ratings. Mm -hmm. For his portrayal of Rook, who was the caller, right? Uh, Robin Williams won the favorite scene-stealing guest star accolade at the 35th oh, People's Choice Awards. My baboo. Yes. Oh, he also received a so. nomination for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. Damn, well, good for him. Right? That's crazy. Just a, like a little episode of SVU. <laughs> Um, while Karen Stern earned a nomination for Best Edited One-Hour Series 
for commercial television at the 2009 American Cinema Editors Awards. Yes, we love our lady editors. Oh, yes. Um, in 2012, there was a feature film called Compliance, and it's directed by Craig Zobel. Zobel? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 69% Google score, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a 60% audience score. So pretty well received. Yeah. The critics' consensus is, quote, anchored by smart, sensitive direction and strong performances, Compliance is a ripped-from-the-headlines thriller that's equal parts gripping and disturbing. End quote. Right. It stars Anne Dowd, who plays Aunt Lydia on Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dreama Walker, who was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Bill Camp, who is in 12 Years a Slave and Birdman. And it was nominated for awards at Sundance and the Film Independent Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. And my last one is fucking weird. <laughs> There's a 2016 play called My Day Lao, My Dang Lao, which translates to McDonald's. Okay. And it was written by David Jacoby and opened at the Victory Gardens Theater in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was reviewed as somewhat recommended by Tom oh. Williams. Of <laughs> yes, that's uh, high praise. Yeah. Uh, so he, Tom Williams of Chicago Critics, said it was somewhat recommended. Um, reading his review, it sounded like the strip search storyline was kind of like a B story of the mm-hmm. comedy that happens in the kitchen and the front of the restaurant, which seems a little weird, um, considering the event literally ruined a girl's life. Uh, maybe even more than one girl because it wasn't just the Mount Washington scam. It seems like a little bit insensitive. I didn't read like the script, but just reading his review, he kind of like breaks down bullet points of what the the play is about. And it just seemed like it wasn't about the strip search. It was about other stuff, which seemed Ooh. weird. Yeah. seemed a little awkward. Okay. But anyway... We blasted through that episode. Like, that is my last piece of information on this. Oh, wow. Yeah, we yeah. did. And, but it was like one of those ones where like, oh. Yeah. I don't remember how I heard about it. But once I did hear about it, I was like, oh, I'm fucking doing an episode <laughs> on that because it's <laughs> fucking wild and yeah. nobody knows about it. I just. Oh, my God. If you know about the, if you knew about this case before talking about it, please let me know. If you've seen, I haven't seen Compliance yet. I really want to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it's on Amazon. I think it's on Amazon Prime Video. Here, I'll look it up quick. Yeah, it's called Compliance. It's from 2012, um, but it sounds really good. Yeah, and I want to try to find that short film too. But like, I like, I would like. I think I would like Compliance because I like the psychological type thriller movies like i really like the stanford prison experiment and it seems like it would be something like that Mm -hmm. but yeah this case is fucking insane yeah and because like i first read i first read when i was like uh when i heard about the case for the first time i was reading it and i was like how could anyone think this was real or like go along with this or like it's be put in that situation. In us. It's instilled in us to okay, like you obey the authorities, you obey the police. Yeah, that yeah. And that's the other thing. After reading more about perceived authority, I was like, you know what? I've never been put in that situation, so like, 
I wouldn't be able to say until put in that situation what I personally would do. Yeah. Well, and also I'm thinking this entire time she's fresh out of high school. She's Mm -hmm. 18. She's been in school her entire life or the majority of her entire life at this point. Yeah. And what is ingrained in you until you get to college and then you get like kind of a reprieve from it is that you listen to authority. You don't even go to the bathroom without asking for permission. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's very true. So, of course, she's going to listen. It's what she's been taught to do. And she has the added pressure of, like, she needs to have this job. Yeah. Because she needs to help out her mother. And, like, I don't know. I've been... She's a good kid. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was abused in any of the jobs I have, but I was... I put up with shit that I really should not have put up with because I could not to afford to not job. have that yeah. job. Yeah. And I think we all have. Yeah. I think we've all been asked to do something that we're just like, you know what? I would rather do anything but this. Yes. <laughs> not like I would prefer to do something like this, but like I would uh, morally would like not to do this. And we have to do it because it's our fucking job, which is bullshit. Right. Yeah. But, and compliance, you can rent it on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. It's also available to watch on the Prime Video channels Docs, Magnolia Selects, and Monsters and Nightmares. And if you have any of those channels, you can watch for free. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, yeah, that's the whole case. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the fucking craziness. I did. <laughs> yes. Um, you can get more information on the website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. You can also, once you're there, find all of the links to our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Patreon, and you can support us for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. And there's different rewards at different tiers. So, you're not supporting us for nothing. We're giving you something back. Right. And that's that. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> that is that indeed. That is that indeed. Um, anything you want to say before we go? If you get a call from somebody from a collect number saying that they're in charge, maybe don't believe them. Yeah, you know how, like, they say that the the IRS will never, like, call you? They'll only, like, send you, like, official mail? Right. I'm going to say that a police officer is... I'm going to say 99.99% of the time, a police officer is never going to call you collect. Yeah, they're... uh, No. No. Yeah. No, no, no. No. Just, no. And I think I personally would rather... um, For something like this, that's not... It's not, like, life life or death... It's just right. like somebody was accused of like stealing something. I would call bullshit first and then apologize later. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Personally. Because and and if they really are the police, they will understand that. It's like the scam with um people are getting tailed by cars with flashing lights in the middle of nowhere and they'll call a number and they'll be like I think it's either 311 or 411. It's in the United States. Uh-huh. And you can call and be like, hey, if this is a cop, I'm going to go to a 
more heavily populated area. Yeah, or drive to the police station and pull into their lot. Right, and the amount of times they have been like, no, that's not a cop. There's no cops in that area. Yeah, Because they can see everything. It's like... That's so creepy. Yep. Yes, it is. Anywho. Anyhow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, if you're listening to this on the day it's released. Yes. The rest of your day in general. Yeah. Yeah. And we will see you next Tuesday. Yes, we will. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Dumb and Busted has been called, quote, one of America's greatest treasures by three out of three hosts of the show. Dumb and Busted is a weekly true crime comedy podcast with stories of exceptionally smart and insanely dumb crimes. Comedian Hunter Donaldson has hailed it as the greatest thing to come out of Portland since comedian Hunter Donaldson, who is me, also a host of the show. Podcasters Allison Copeland and Hannah Ether praise Dumb and Busted as, quote, found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Just more rave reviews from two other people who host the show. Catch us every Thursday and follow us at Dumb and Busted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Crime you later! later.